The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Christmas presents, Christmas gifts, Christmas presents, all of that and more. Uh, everybody says, well, let's remember the reason for the season. And I heard that stuff growing up all the time. And I always thought, okay, I know what to say at church, the reason for the season, but in my heart and soul, you know, I knew the reason for the season was presents. And we're going to talk about the ultimate present, the ultimate gift that God gives us. Uh, but I wanted to share with you guys just a couple of minutes here about some gifts that we as a church have given because of your generosity, your faithfulness in giving that have moved outside the walls of our church. Lily Kelly Ministries, a ministry here in town. Some of you women especially know about this. Uh, she was featured at our women's tea that we did. or filled this room up about a month ago at a big tea event that we did. Uh, giving $2,500 to her and her ministry, some things that she's getting started here in town. That's awesome. We're also giving $5,000 to Martin and Joanna Chai and their ministry to Muslim refugees over in Europe. You guys did that. Way to go. And $5,000 down to Ocean Beach to Regen Church with the ministries going on there. Super excited about that. One of the things we featured this year at the beginning of, uh, of this season was one of the trees over here was the giving tree, and it had various ornaments on it, custom ornaments from Kenya. And we were partnering with Agape Children's Ministries over there to help reunite orphaned children, like even like street boys and the kids that are really sketchy, scary, back with mom and dad or a good, stable family. And your generosity, what you guys did there, we raised as a church in less than 25 days $10,000 to give to Agape Children's Home. Super exciting about that. You know, we talk about presents and gifts and uh, all, all that and more. Uh, some of you on social media in the last two or three weeks shared with me some stories about Christmas gifts. Some of you talked about the idea of, I don't know what the hot gift right now for kids is, the one that no stores have or that you can't get anywhere. I remember for a while, what was it? It was like Tickle Me Elmo. I know I'm old, shut up. Um, <laughs> or whatever it was. There's all these various toys and everybody wants one. And maybe you were that kid or you were that parent and you found it, you got it. And like, you remember, oh my gosh, they found it for me. I got a gift today on the way in today. Two people right over here walked up to me, gave me a present here. And it's none of your business in here. It's a private personal gift between just us. Thank you, you guys. That was awesome. Um, other, other great Christmas gift stories. When... On Christmas morning and the snow is falling and in the driveway is the Lexus or the Cadillac. And my big question is, where do they get that bow from? That, that nobody makes a bow like that, but they, the big red bow that goes on it. Uh, uh, families here that have talked about being on deployment over in Okinawa and they were able to surprise their mom with plane tickets to come over and see the family for Christmas. Okinawa, what a beautiful, those of you who've ever done that know as much as there is the family and camaraderie of being there together, having family there, super important. I remember one of the most vivid memories I ever have at Christmas when I was a child was my little sister Karen. She was probably six, seven years old. I was in middle school, high school at that point. She wanted a dollhouse. And not like just like the Barbie dollhouse that you get and assemble and put together, but like the dollhouse. But those at that point were like four and $500 today you know, probably $1,500, $2,000 to get one 
a big one that was really, really nice and sturdy and all that. Parents couldn't afford that. And some families got together, and for over the period of three or four months, they built, framed it out, a custom dollhouse for my sister. And so they brought it in, had a, the big thing, it's the last gift nobody knew it was for, had a big blanket over it, brought it in, put it down on the floor, and my dad pulled back that blanket over that, and my sister screamed with joy. She was just, she couldn't believe this amazing gift that she got. I think the other thing too, uh, one of the gifts that, some unexpected gifts is when, uh, you remember this kids, if your parents have never done this for you, um, they're going to because they should. Sneak you away from school and go fun places like Disneyland, Northbury Farm. All the teachers out there are secretly judging me right now, but that's okay. Um, we do that for our kids. We told them we're going up to Orange County because we had to help Aunt Leslie and Uncle Jeff move. And they got to miss school. They were okay with it, but like, ah, uh, whatever. And then we all of a sudden they look up and we're in the Disneyland parking lot. And all of a sudden the lights go on. Whoa, amazing. And then one of my favorite memories is uh, the most amazing 13-year-old daughter, on the, a 13-year-old girl on planet Earth right now. She's my adopted granddaughter. Her name is Faith. She, when she was six years old, had never been to Disneyland in her life. And so on her six-year-old birthday, uh, they put things together and they were scheming. Gave her clues all day long at school, before school, after school, about what her Christmas, what, about what her birthday present was going to be. And she put it all together and she was convinced that she was going to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and what they did was they snuck her out of school, drove to Disneyland, candy cane in down the street, and the next day she got to experience Disneyland as a six-year-old girl. Beautiful and amazing. One of the most amazing gifts I've ever seen, too, when you watch these videos, when it's a child, when it's a spouse, and their mom or dad or the spouse has been gone on deployment, gone overseas, and then there's the big box in the living room. Or they're the mascot on the football field and doing something. And all of a sudden, the mask comes off and the box lifts up. And it's mom or dad. And they didn't. See. If you don't cry about that, you're Scrooge. Get out. <laughs> That's a, that was an amazing story. All that and more. It's recently here, we had a great gift story. Uh, Justin Swanee is the director of student ministries here. He pastors and shepherds and leads that ministry to our kids and our leaders and families. He's awesome. Uh, years ago, Justin met a girl. Her name was Rochelle. Met here at church. They fell in love and they dated, got married. They talked about it from the early days when they knew they were going to be the excitement of they want to have a big family. All these kids are super excited about that. And a year or two into their marriage... The doctor told them very directly, you have less than a 1% chance of ever naturally conceiving a child. They were just crushed and devastated. And they did some different alternative things that people do, and they were good with that. I love those kids. They have three kids. But two months ago, they found out Rochelle was pregnant. And super excited about that. Yeah. Just the best. Those kind of that, that gifts when you think there's no way this is ever possible. And I'm telling you this today. This is just for this service, because some of you need to hear this today, about situations in your life you think it's never, ever going to happen. You never know. If the tomb is empty, anything's possible. If they're not dead, they're not done. And so that's a beautiful story about the gifts of Christmas. And I, um, those of you that know me really well know that um, being a soft, sentimental soul 
is not who I am. I know, some of you know me really well. That's just not how I roll at all. But once in a while, I get a gift thing right. Uh, let me give you some background on the story. My, Denise and I, my wife, uh, several years ago, about 20 years ago, uh, had an opportunity. She put things together, schemed and figured all kinds of stuff out. We had a chance to go to Rome, go to Italy, and, and see that. And so we were all geeked out about it and saving money, super excited about going to go to Rome. And I thought, okay, we got to make this special and amazing and like the, make it beautiful and romantic and all this stuff. And then I saw this commercial, and I was inspired. Happy anniversary, honey. Yeah, happy anniversary. Um, there's something I gotta do. Oh, yeah? <laughs> what? Uh, I love this woman! I love her! What are you doing? Stop! Okay, then I guess this will have to do. How can you laugh at that on Christmas? <laughs> so I was inspired by that because that Spanish steps there and the, all these romantic scenes you see in movies about Rome and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, back in the day, uh, this is back, I forget when it was, back when you did not need to get a line of credit or sell your child to get tickets to Disneyland. Well, they had year-round passes to Disneyland back then, Southern California ones, for $99. I know, like 1947, right? Or something like that. But we got year-round passes, and so we went several times, and outside of the Pirates of the Caribbean, there is this jewelry shop. It doesn't even exist anymore. It's an estate jewelry shop. It's not full of Mickey Mouse and Winnie the Pooh and Donald Duck and all this stuff. It's got like estate jewelry kind of stuff, or somebody had a store there. And we would go in there, and Denise would look around in there, and there was this one ring she saw. And for probably, I guess, a year she would see it and go, I just love that ring. It's so beautiful. It's one of a kind, the curve of it, the cut of it, all this stuff. But it was expensive, and I thought, whatever. And then I thought, we're going to Rome, Spanish steps. I love this man. What's one? <laughs> it took me a while to get it, so I schemed. We saved the money. I forget how we did it all. I got the money to our daughter, Brittany. She went into Disneyland. She bought the ring, got it sized and everything, got it back to me, got it into my luggage, snuck it there. I don't know how we did it because Denise is the nosiest person in the world. She doesn't like to be surprised about anything. So I thought, if I can pull this off, it'll be amazing. And so the second night we're there, we go to the Spanish steps and the sun is setting off in the distance over the ruins of Rome. And I did not do the, I love this woman thing because Denise would hate me and we'd have a fight and that'd be awful. I don't want to ruin the moment. But I do want to surprise her. So at some point, I just looked her. I just had this beautiful moment, and I took the box out and took the ring out. And she looked at me. She got little tears in her eyes. She grabbed me by the back of the neck, and she said, I... How'd you do this? <laughs> what is this? How'd you get this? What is this? Wait, the box, this is... The, wait, no... Wait, that's the one from the, the, the Disney Pirates of the Care. Put it, she finally put it all together. Ah, so excited, so mesmerized by this amazing gift. Once in a while, I get it right with gifts. We're talking today about the ultimate gift that God gives to us. And here at Advent, we've been talking, lighting these candles every week. Week one, one candle. The first candle was all about, in a world of unbelievable, awful problems, unreal problems, God comes 
and sees the mess we're in and recognizes the big problem. You can't solve it yourselves. I'm going to solve it for you. And he makes predictions and promises that he's coming, that salvation, he's going to set everything right. We're not quite sure how he's going to do it. He talks about this person, this thing that's going to come and kick out evil and establish righteousness, and it's going to be amazing. And then we talk about the unlikely people. It was week four. Unlikely people, Mary and Joseph and shepherds and wise men. That's how we're going to save the world? That's crazy talk. And then, of course, we recognize that who came here was Jesus. That's what we celebrate every year at this time. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we often think, all right, I'm going to believe in Jesus because Jesus will fix my marriage. Jesus will give me a, someone to date. Jesus will give me money and give me a career. Jesus will take care of the pain and the problems of my life. Jesus will deliver me products and prosperity. And look, guys, all things being equal, I vote for products, prosperity, no pain, peace. I vote for all of it. But the good news of Jesus is that he says, so those things aren't bad. He says, I just got something that transcends all that. When we sing joy to the world, we do not sing happiness to the world because happiness depends on your happenings. Joy means whether I have peace or conflict, whether I have products on my porch or the porch is empty, whether I have prosperity in my life or poverty in my life, joy is possible, not because Jesus dispenses goods and services, but because we get him. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, it says, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And in, in the book of Corinthians, there's, on, there's a, the program you have on the back of that. We printed the verses up for you this week. You can look it up in your Bible if you want to on your app or your mobile device or the Bibles that are around you. In 2 Corinthians 9.15, it says, Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Like We have no ability to comprehend or grasp. Paul says, I'd like to keep describing it for you because I just got to say thank you it goes beyond description. Any ability to grasp or comprehend the magnificence, the, it puts you on tilt when you start really getting inside what God did. Because the crazy, amazing gift of Christmas is imagine a manger scene now. Look at me for a second. Manger right here. Little baby Jesus. Asleep on the hay. That baby laying in that manger is the eternal creator, God of the universe, laying there in a manger. And all too often, I mean, I love our nativity scenes. We have them at our house. We have them in various places, pictures of them. It's little baby Jesus away in a manger. No crying he makes. I think Mary would beg to differ with us on that one. Someday we'll find out. You should read the book of Revelation sometime, especially Revelation chapter 12, because we have sentimentalized the version and made it all sweet and beautiful and peace on earth. I mean, little baby Jesus and some of our things has a little halo above his head, like he's... Revelation 12 is going to give us a picture. It's going to unveil what really happened that day, that it was not some sweet, sentimental thing to make us go... Hmm, little Lord Jesus, asleep on the hay. You know what it tells us in Revelation 12? What happened on Christmas 2,000 years ago? D-Day happened. The invasion happened. God sent across the water 
from heaven to earth in a jacked up world, not a jacked up continent like Europe had become under Nazi Germany, but a jacked up, screwed up, messed up disaster of a world, he sends his son into that world and he descends into that manger. Hardly anybody gets it or grasps it or understands it, but that son who comes into our world launches an invasion here with his teaching, with his miracles, and ultimately he hangs on a cross to pay for the sins of the world, rises from death to say to sin and evil and Satan and everything, no more. It's finished, it's done. And now he calls us out there to be part of his kingdom, to unleash an onslaught, a tsunami of his kingdom to overtake the kingdoms of darkness, to, to push it back, to say joy to the world, peace on earth. And again, we're involved in a great conflict like right now. We're, we're, in, we're, we're enlisted as if you're a Christian, you're not enlisted just to sit there and go, oh, peace on earth, goodwill to me. No, no, you're called to push back the darkness, to, to slaughter Satan and evil and the demonic and the sin and the jacked up mess of our world. And Paul, who wrote the letter to the Corinthians, also wrote a letter to the Romans. And he talks about this idea of this gift and he compares and contrasts what we human beings give to the world with what God gives to the world. And lest you think that, that Paul's going to tell you you're amazing, you're beautiful, you're fantastic, get ready. I'm not going to say that about us. He's going to talk about how amazing Jesus is. It's on your note sheet there in the back of that program there, Romans 5, 15 to 17, out of the message translation, it says this. The rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead-end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous, life-giving gift. The verdict on that one sin was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, absolute life uh, in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man, Jesus Christ, provides. What we want to tell you here today at Crosspoint, whether you've been here for a long time or been here just one or two times, that the way of Jesus was not ever intended to become a religion in the conventional sense of religion. Jesus shows up here and goes, we got enough religions, we gotta get the world right. Religion can't do it because religion says, if you get your act together, if you can do enough good deeds, you'll balance your bad deeds and that will square the deal with God. And God says, you can't get yourself right with God. And so we, we come to church, we obey commandments, we give, we serve, not to earn ourselves the gift, but in response to having received a free, unconditional gift that God makes to us, no matter who we are, no matter what we have done. It's interesting, too, because gifts, you know, and hoping you've been good and haven't been bad enough reminds me of a story I heard this week about little Timmy. Timmy was child number three in his family. The reason his parents did not have four children is because they had Timmy. <laughs> That was enough. Some of you go, yeah, we had that one, or I was that one. You know who you are. Uh, and, and in the, his parents are just, he's rambunctious. He's, a, he's just a disaster. 
So they're trying to figure out, what do we do? How do we solve this? So they said, this year, instead of writing letters to Santa, we're going to have little Timmy write a letter to Jesus. So they sit him down at the table with a piece of paper and a pencil. And he's had to write letters to Santa, but he's been a good boy. So, dear Jesus, I've been a good boy for six months. And scratches out six months. I've been a good boy for three months. Scratches out. I've been a good boy for two weeks. I've been a good boy today. Slams the pen and pencil down, goes over to the manger scene, picks up the little Mary figurine out of the manger scene, puts it down. Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, (laughs) it's not about our good deeds or our bad deeds. It's an amazing gift that God gives to us. It's beautiful. And what God tells us, if we're not careful sometimes, we never do this with regular gifts. Well, some of your kids do this, right? You know what they do? You spend all this money on a gift, and 10 minutes later, what they're doing? Playing with the box over here. Or here's what we do. Hmm. Look at the pretty bows on this. Isn't this fantastic? Look at that. Look at the way that's so carefully wrapped and the alignment of the bows and the beads and the, the berries and all that. You know, I like the way that they package Jesus better than how those people package Jesus. And instead of talking about Jesus, we talk about the packaging and compare and contrast our church, our spirituality, our denomination with somebody else's. And Jesus goes, would you just get me out of the box? Would you look inside and go, oh, dang, that's a PlayStation in there. Unless you think I'm making it up, there's really a real PlayStation in here. But if we're not careful, sometimes, do you know what we'll do? We look inside here and we pull the manual out and learn all about the gift. If we're not careful, we can treat our Bibles like a manual. Let's learn all about Jesus. Study, knowledge, doctrine, theology. I'm telling you, if it never goes from here to here where there's love and worship and joy over it, Jesus said this to the people, the most godly spiritual people of his day. He said, you, you Pharisees, you priests, you pastors, you study the scriptures daily because you think that in them that you have life and you miss the whole fact that they're all about me. He said, tell us, get that, get the gift out of the box. That day when we were in Rome on the Spanish steps, Denise was all at the beginning, like what we sometimes do. How does this work? How does it all make sense? And all these questions about the gift. And how about this? And, Take the ring out of the box. And eventually she just and took the ring out and put it on her finger. That's the whole point, is get it out of the box. If you're a child, you, you play with the gift. You use this. And sometimes what happens, too, is the gift, it's valuable and it's precious to us. And if, if we're not careful, we sometimes treat uh, valuable gifts. Well, valuable gifts like collector's item. Like, I guess somebody in our church collects these. He's a grown man. I won't give us his name. Pop heroes, anybody know about this? Anybody here? A few people know about pop heroes, yeah, okay. You know that these, you know, these are valuable, especially there's certain ones that are more valuable. And you know that you never take this out of here because once you break that seal and break the plastic, all of a sudden you've destroyed the value. It's a collector's item. And so I'll put collector's items, whether it's a gun or a car or 
some expensive piece of jewelry or something, we, we put that behind a locked glass case or in a, in a safe. And sometimes we put it in a museum. It reminds me of the Seinfeld episode years ago when Jerry Seinfeld's dating a girl and he walks into her condo, her apartment, and there in the, in the dining room is the whole shelf of all these G.I. Joe toys and all this stuff. And he goes, I'm going to play with you. Oh, no, no. No, we don't play with those, Jerry. Because those are collector's items. Can I tell you today? Jesus is not a collector's item. He says, get me out of the box. Get me into your life. And I'm, I'm telling you this because when God comes into our world as a human being, he's not born into a palace or a mansion, all beautiful like this. He's not even born into a hospital, like a labor delivery ward where they put the children in there and you can see them in their little things with the little beanie caps on with a little nameplate there. Oh, beautiful, amazing, all that. No, not even into a middle-class family. When God's born into our world, you know where they put him? Watch this. In a box. And the box was a manger full of animal spit and hay and straw, flies buzzing around. And there's all kinds of implications we can tease out about that. But here's what I want you to see today. Don't miss this. When God comes into our world born like that, he says, I'm here for everybody. You don't have to, watch this, get it all packaged and prettied up. You don't come to God going, if I get my act together, then I can finally come to have a real, no, he says, no, come to me. Manger tells us he's available. He's right here right now, which means, I think, in our attempts to teach and talk about the transforming life that this book talks about and the way of Jesus and all that, if we're not careful at times, we sometimes go too far with it and we start to tell people, people start to hear, some of you have heard, you you think that the way of Jesus and Christianity is this, stop being bad, start being good. That is not the way of Jesus. Now, he's going to tell you, I'm going to transform and change your life, but we get it all out of order. Because we think in order to get God's love, i got to stop being bad and start being, you know, you already have God's love. You receive that love. And if we're not careful, we treat Jesus like Santa Claus. Because you know what we think he's doing? He's making a list, and he's checking it twice. And he's going to find out who's been naughty or nice. He knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. What if we could simplify it down and go, it's not about stop being bad and start being good. What if our simple, the simple response, the amazing unconditional gift that God gives us is what we saw in that commercial a few minutes ago. We simply look at him and just go, love this man. I love this person. I love him. See, we don't just, we're not just here to believe in Jesus. We're not just here to study about Jesus. We're not just here to talk about Jesus. What I want for you so badly is that Jesus moves from some conceptual idea, something in your brain, and you study all the doctrine, you get all the questions answered. It moves from here into your soul. And you just, you treasure him. Jesus said the greatest thing you do is to love God with all your heart, all your soul. Not just learn about him, not just believe in him, to love him. And see, when you love him, it's like what you declare then. Like in that commercial, 
you could, a bunch of different ways to do that. You can say loudly, oh, I love this man. And some of you have personalities. Boom, you're all out there. Like some of you are more quiet, the intense. Like, I love this man. doesn't matter how you do that, but just the soul, the heart and soul of it all. Because see, when you get that, when you get that it's all about I love this man. We're going to sing some songs here in a bit. Get, get, get ready, guys. I'm telling you. The next 10 minutes are worth the whole price of admission today. The whole price of any, I'm just telling you, it's so good. But one of the songs is that little drummer boy song that he wants to play, he wants to give something, he has no gift to bring. And he says, I'll play my drum for him. Me and my drum. And it says, to play before the king. And it says, I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. You know who you do your best for? You don't do your best for, well, because it's a paycheck or it's a job or a duty. I love this man. I love him. And when that happens, it changes everything about how you obey. Changes everything about how you do marriage and money and conflict and forgiveness and sexuality and dating. It changes everything when you go, it's not just to keep a bunch of rules because he's making a list and checking it twice. It's because I love him. Because on a not so silent, but oh, holy night, 2,000 years ago, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and it talks about the idea. Oh, holy night, the weary world rejoices because we love this man. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.